Go back to your own country. How often do you think that phrase comes into the conversation when you're talking about caring for the undocumented? When people say, Latino, come back to your country. Who is telling me that? A white person that came in from Europe. I don't understand. Because all the white came from Europe. The indigenous are the people that own this land. I never hear an indigenous tell me, go back to your country. They pay taxes. 400 million taxes were collected in this year. Who is getting that? Hi, I'm Dr. Raj Sundar, a family physician and a community organizer. You're listening to Healthcare for Humans, a show dedicated to educating you on how to care for culturally diverse communities so you can be a better healer. This is about everything that you wish you knew to really care for the person in front of you, not just a body system. Let's learn together. Welcome to Healthcare for Humans, the podcast that's dedicated to educating clinicians on caring for culturally diverse communities. You just heard from Dr. Ponce, who is the founder and executive director of the Community Health Worker Coalition for Migrants and Refugees. It's a nonprofit organization that aims to improve the quality of life of underserved communities, specifically Latin communities. This episode is part two of our Latin series on caring for the undocumented. And in this episode, we address the problems with the current healthcare system and explore how community health workers can bridge this gap. But it's not just about that. Dr. Ponce also talks about the experiences of seasonal, migrant, and refugee Latin workers and discusses our moral obligation to care for one another in this context. Before the episode, though, I want to talk to you about being proximate, why it's difficult, and what my request is to you. I heard about the idea of being proximate from Brian Stevenson. He's the founder and executive director of Equal Justice Initiative. He says that if you're willing to get closer to people who are suffering, you'll find the power to change the world. Wow. The idea is that being proximate helps us understand the complex and nuanced experiences of those who are marginalized and excluded from society. It helps us empathize with their pain and struggles. That makes sense, right? And the other important point about it is that proximity enables us to challenge the narratives that sustain injustice, such as the politics of fear and anger. And there's a lot of politics of fear and anger when talking about undocumented immigrants and refugees. Proximity inspires us to stay hopeful and to do things that are uncomfortable but necessary to create change because we feel interconnected with somebody else. Ultimately, though, proximity with others can bring us closer to the margins of the society so that, as Father Gregory Boyle teaches us, the margins can be erased. Being proximate is an important concept when doing any work, but especially equity or culturally safe care. The truth is, though, it's hard to be proximate. There exist inherent gaps between us and the communities that have historically been exploited. The very ones we talk about on this podcast. These gaps emerge from systemic disparities, unequal access to healthcare, and obviously socioeconomic inequalities. They stop us from truly grasping other people's experiences. And my goal with this podcast is to close that gap at least a little bit, by talking to the people most affected. When I do that, though, 
I encounter language and communication styles that differ from the dominant culture. When doing the Latin A series, I heard from so many folks about the impact of accents. If people have accents in the Latin A community, they express to me how quickly people disregard or challenge their expertise and knowledge. You'll hear from Dr. Ponce today, who has an accent as well. As a host and editor of this podcast, I take it upon myself to enhance clarity in our conversation through editing, ensuring the key messages are effectively conveyed to you. But I also want to challenge you to play your part. It's essential that we actively work to counteract any bias, including language or accent bias. I want you to establish an environment in your workplace where every voice is heard and respected. It demands patience, open-mindedness, and a willingness to listen for genuine understanding. Dr. Ponce has a lot of important points to make today. She sheds light on the unique challenges faced by Latin workers, whose labor often goes unrecognized and whose health needs are often neglected. It's a call to action, a reminder of our shared responsibility to advocate for change and ensure that healthcare is accessible to all, regardless of immigration status. Thanks for listening. Here's Dr. Ponce. Dr. Gonzalez, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I am honored. Yeah. And should we call you Dr. Gonzalez or Dr. Ponce Gonzalez? What do you prefer? I love that question. First, I wanted to thank you because you asked me. When I was in the hospital, my colleagues, male, they were Dr. Rodriguez, Dr. Solis, but Ileana was Ileana. And then this is why it's important for Latina if we get an education because not many women can get education in our country of origin. And this is why we say doctor and Ponce Gonzalo will be the right one. Because in Latinx, Ponce comes from the father and Gonzalez comes from my mother. But the majority of Latinx are people that know me, they sell me Dr. Ponce and that is okay. Okay. Okay, Dr. Ponce. Thank you. <laughs> Let's start with your story, because I know you were born in Nicaragua. And part of this series that I like to clarify with folks is how complex the Latin identity is. And the community itself is very diverse. And part of you holds the Latinx, Latin identity, but part of you holds that Central American slash Nicaraguan identity. So tell me your story of how you ended up here in the U.S. Most of the people that are coming came from Mexico. Some people in the honor us are Mexican, but no one are, are Mexican. In fact, we are uh, the population of refugees from Colombia, Nicaragua, and Venezuela is increasing for the conflict that we have. I came to this country in the 80, after my country, we have a war for Sandinistas and Contras when America was involved, and then was very tense. We have a very bad memory. I was a student of medicine at the time. Many of the physicians have to immigrate to America. And then as a student, we play a very important role in public health uh, because we have to educate the new generation. We have no uh, physician. And then we still have problems in Nicaragua. Daniel Ortega, see? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and we come in as a refugee. 
But when you come to this country, refugee is very bad. Most of us have education in our country. I was a physician. I graduated from the University of Chile. And when I come to USA, all of my family became here as a refugee. And then we were separated for seven years. Can you imagine all the suffering as a refugee? Uh, was a cultural shock for me because uh, my family was living in a room with five people. Uh, my parents had very poor helps. Uh, my brother was working two, three times. And that was not time for me to react to this. And I was depressed for two years, crying in a room. And I didn't want to see the sun. And that was the worst year. And my mother and my brother coming inside and asked me, you know, you are a physician. Why are you are like that? You say, I don't want it to come in here. I don't like this country. I don't like the weather. I don't like nothing. I was in a shock. I left my patient in Nicaragua. I feel guilty. And, but one day you, I feel the God tell me, wake up. And I remember what a open house in John Hawkins University. I still learning English every day. <laughs> and I went to the John Hawkins and there was an open house and I was showing my document and everything. And they sent me, why you wanted to study? I said, I wanted to study public health. And she said, why you want public health? I said, because public health gave me the perspective to do research and I don't know how to do research. And also I wanted to benefit the community, not one patient. And I left my practice in Nicaragua. I am not coming here to see rich people. I believe America was only for rich people at that time. Thank you. There's so many things I want to follow up on. I want to first talk about your story. One point that stuck out to me was when you came to the U.S. and felt depressed. And then you had to figure out what is the next step for you. And I could hear this drive that was awakened in you once you saw the injustice and wanting to help create a better community. When you were going through depression, did you interact with anybody about your health? What could have been different for you to feel like you could have approached somebody to talk about your mental health? Yes, that is, and it's still inside of me, my trauma. And people with trauma, it's very difficult to live in with that. This is why many people get addiction to drugs, because the way they feeling is so terrible. You don't see hope. I told you we were living in one room with five people. When we come in from Nicaragua, we have everyone in room. I was a physician. I have my clinic. I work for the Department of Health. And see my family, my daddy having diabetes. The long insurance, either he was a refugee. Because all the access of help was in English. Then when he got to asking for help, he didn't have a translator. He didn't know the word translator. They don't help him here. And then, Although I was very depressed, it was happening in my family at the time. And I say, I need to work up. I need to do something for them. I believe the thing to see my family, the poverty, the lack of knowledge for the lack of resources. In this country that is so rich, because the shock when you come in here is very sad for you because you not have everything. I always do the comparison. What I wanted to tell you for a Refugee, how is to come here? Imagine this coconut. I was a coconut tree in Latin America with my cocoa, uh, from the beach, 
I'm very happy. And then I was pull up and planting in Washington, D.C. And it's a snow in December. And the coconut is, didn't have root. The coconut was there. I lost my identity. I was here in America. I was nobody else because the system see me like nobody else. I was no physician and I have a tremendous experience. I delivered 50 children a day. I didn't know English. I cannot communicate with people. I didn't have a car. I didn't have public transportation when we live. And that was, oh my God. And this is why we need community health workers. If I were a community health worker in my community, my man couldn't say to the community health worker, my daughter is extremely depressed. What can I do? Because for my family, either I am physician, they said, you cannot be depressed because depressed is for crazy. And you are a doctor. And can you imagine the doctor or the family be like that, how they feel? Yeah, that makes so much sense. So there's a point here of where the immigration process doesn't support the people who come here. But yes. training, resources, all of that. So you're left on your own. And then once you need health, health care is not accessible because there's such a big gap. And I love this idea of community health workers, which we'll come back to because yes. people know about it. But I want to hear you because that's what you're working on. The other point that I want to touch on what you were saying was faith in God. And I don't think we talk about that aspect enough in healthcare or health, because in that moment of depression, you are looking for hope and something that will get you through that into something that's bigger than you, something helping the community. And then the last point is about this hierarchy of power that people respect doctors and will do anything they tell them. And we have to take that seriously because there's a thing that happens there where people always say they're doing what you're telling them to, but they're not actually because they don't exactly. want to question you. Yeah, I'm of course taking the medicine every day. And I'm taking everything that you're telling me to and my diabetes isn't controlled. I don't know why. You touched a very good point in self-management uh, because sometimes it's not what the patients say. And when you say the patient, like we were training to look at the patient from the beginning, they come into us. They also looking at you before you come into them. Did you come in with the attitude? You are so tired. You don't look in the eye. You don't say hello. And then say, tell me what you have. And you want the time you are in the computer. Because first, there was one hour waiting for you. And when you come in, you didn't look at me like I was no human being. You don't know what I have. And the nor Label you. Why are you coming today here? Sometimes people nothing know because if they have a diabetes, they have problem. When I send my daddy to the doctor, I say, no, telling that you have a blood in your urine. He doesn't remember. He say, ah, ah. But the people asking you, why did you come here? Then the physician coming and don't ask the patient. He reading what the, the, the nurse said. Headache. You have a blood pressure, maybe. Are you taking the medication? Yes. Do you have to Yes. Okay, we are going to create the dosing. Thank you. And maybe you have been waiting three months to get the appointment. This is why we are in the place that we Because we don't talk with the fellowship. And this is not because you are white, black, or Latino. They do with everybody. But if you are Latino, it's even worse. 
because this is a idiom that doesn't understand me. I'll use some lingo here about this idea of treat to target protocol, especially with hypertension yeah. or blood pressure. Where uh, all we need to do is increase the medications enough, add enough medications, and we'll get exactly. the blood pressure goal. And we're, that's what we're doing when the patient is here to feel like they're feeling cared for, that the doctor cares that they waited so long and they want you to be a little more patient. <laughs> and even if they said headache first, say, is that all? Are we talking about a headache or is there something else? That relationship component is so important for every single human being. And healthcare doesn't sometimes allow enough space for clinicians to do that, yes, but also for different cultures where we're not so, let's get to business right away, right? This idea of, hey, I want you to ask me about how I'm doing, how my family is, because that's important to me. And that's how I know we care about each other. People have official lingo about that. They call it context cultures where we're mostly focusing on the relationship, not the problem, but focusing on the relationship will help us deal with the problem better. But I think here, sometimes we're so problem-oriented we want to get to the business, right? I'm going to ask you how you are, but I don't really care what you say because we're going to get to the high blood pressure. Exactly. Exactly. Yes, I say, oh, you have a headache, and immediately, or whatever, telling them one word, why are you coming to Bay? To Bay? Now you are only one thing. And the doctor didn't have time here. But what yeah. about if before, because if before the doctor see this patient, will be a community health worker talking. Because community health worker will say, hello, how are you? And they get more information because the patient identifies with them more of that with the doctor. And then the doctor can respond with the community and be part of the team. We have other people say, oh no, this is something that the nurse do that. Really? Nobody has time. And maybe as a doctor, you wanted to do, but you don't have the time. Yeah. And I think we focus too much on doctors and clinicians. As you said, they don't need to be the one who's spending a lot of time. Community health workers can also... Exactly be that person who takes time, who builds relationships, who yeah. helps people understand. Because this other day, a patient told me, because I was increasing the blood pressure medication, and he said, for you, I'm just like a chicken. I'm just in a farm. You just keep feeding me things, just like I'm an yeah. animal. Nobody has told me why I have this, what I need to do. You just keep giving me more and more. Is that all I am to you? And I said, Sadly. wow, yeah, I can totally understand how you feel that way. And this is a reflection. And I love it that you... I say, good doctor, recognize that. And then you say, how we can improve? And it's true. Because you be part of the system. You are part of the system because the system is like that. It's not us. You start to be how can I be a better doctor? This is the country that have a, a special Latinx. We are dying of high blood pressure. We are dying of diabetes. We are dying of obesity. It's something wrong with the system. And we have a, a, a documenting and undocumented. And I need to talk about that because my organization working with undocumented, okay? It is not popular. They calling us alien, but we are UFO. They calling us illegal. In human rights say everybody have the right to have a space to live in any way that they can live it. When God giving the world, they giving to all humanity. When people say, Latino, come back to your country. Who is telling me that? A white person that came in from Europe. I don't understand. Yeah. Because all the white came from Europe. 
the indigenous are the people that own this land. I never hear an indigenous tell me, go back to your country. I say, okay, but the system put you document and document. Doctor, you know that. This study is rich for undocumented people. They are in the cleaning, they are in the factories, they are in the agricultural industry. They pay taxes, 400 million taxes were collected in this year. Who is getting that? Because it's not undocumented. And the people that receive benefit from the government have social security. Here they have a children. The children have parents that are undocumented, but children was born here. You are denied a born U.S. citizen that her mother died early because she didn't have a screening from cancer or mammogram and died because she's undocumented. And the mother had three jobs. She working at 10, 12, picking apples. Then she go to cleaning. Chen is in the market. Okay. Okay. That is that. Today, the government has given 3.3 million for training community health workers. And somebody sent me that to me. And I said, what is this? When I see the requirement, community health worker that are U.S. citizens. <laughs> you know how feeling? We are in 2023 that you are going to deny education to the community that need the most because they don't have documentation. You are denying the community health worker to educate parents. The children had better health outcome and better education. The Latinx family here is dying. The children, they are two children die of fentanyl in our rural area. They are Latinx. Because the children, they don't have access to help because the mother didn't have access to help. They get this trauma. They inherit the trauma that we carry from coming from the trip. And then, who are in the jail? Well, the children need to go to work because they cannot continue to pay because education is only for U.S. citizens. Okay? Then, they go to the jail because they, they are still very young. They don't live in there. They're coming outside. They put them again on the jail. This is what is happening here. And all of us that don't do nothing and try not to listen, not to hear and to stop, we are part of the problem. And I am planting the seed to my community, planting the seed to telling you have right to ask for education. You have right to ask for health, especially you were here a far working 30 years. You know what they do in doctor? They coming back to Mexico to die of cancer, HIV and everything. Mm. When they get adults, you see, they have a broken bodies. Why did the children have fentanyl? Because the oxycodone was the only solution for them because the pain, the chronic pain of pickup will be in this position all day. They are women that have 30, 40 years and they look like 50 because they hard work they doing and the sound and the cold and this. Sense of injustice at so many levels. 
including how much they're working, paying taxes, and still don't get benefits exactly. Exactly. from education, health. People, I think, have this incorrect view that they're not, quote unquote, contributing to society when they are the reason a lot of things run and core part of how we get food. Let's focus on farm workers because we haven't talked about that enough. Yes. Tell me more about farm workers because you also mentioned the Mesoamerican indigenous population because people have this view of people coming in to do farm work. And I want to understand that a little better. When we talk about farm workers, tell me the process of how they're recruited, what their current condition is, receiving care, living, and what it means to support them. We need to support anybody that is in that disadvantage. I, I don't say that because I am Catholic. I say, mm-hmm. I believe we need to love people like you that wanted to make a difference because I believe they are many people and we need to be unified. Car workers, I've been here a long time in the 60s with visa. Say, but only a 10% coming, inviting. Okay, they come in here, they come in back to their country. Uh, they are seasonal farm worker. Seasonal is the farm worker uh, that stay here and in the season, and then they get a other kind of job when we don't have the season. In the winter, for example, they can be working in cleaning. They can be in the market, things like that. And they are another majority that are migrant. They coming from North Carolina to Washington, to Oregon, to California, and they still doing that all year. Okay? And now I say the refugee. Nobody say refugee migrant. They coming because there is a lot of need of our worker. And these are jobs that are easy for people looking for asylum when they are in the transition to get the status of refugee to work and get money to eat because they don't require anything. Uh, the IRS know yeah. exactly who is, who has legal or no legal document, but they also receive 400 million from them. They will never deport them. They are fashion, including the former president. He have it in all his hotel in document. Okay. Then it's horrible. It's brutal how they use some people. They know where they are, where they live, and they need pass. But it's like with the slavery. How they get so rich? Because they have three people working in justice. Now it's the same. But this is a prostitute, criminal. They criminalize people to keep them there. But they are the criminal because they are the one that keeping people working with no insurance, with no health care, with nothing. This is why they are rich. And the system is like that. We need to, little by little, try to change the system. Like, for example, how this person say they're going to offer a training for community and they're working only U.S. citizens. I don't know where she's going to get it and who she's going to serve. Because the community health workers are most of them undocumented. You are far working. I don't know who is going to be applying. I agree. There's just so much to talk about here. I didn't talking about the indigenous, Mesoamerican oh, yeah. indigenous, because they don't speak Spanish. They speak different language. They have more the tendency to be humiliated and exploring. And we're talking about only health disparity, but I wanted to take you about a scene that is happening in the field. 
Latinos that maybe are the supervisor or no supervisor, the owner, sometimes they write migrant woman. The migrant cannot say nothing because they will lose the job and then they don't have to show. But I wanted to bring this issue. They are violation and rapists. That hmm. is called throw and document a woman. They live in domestic violence because the men, can you imagine you see somebody abused you while and you cannot do nothing? They drink in one and the weekend they go to drink because who can live in, in this state with $150 per week? Please. Yeah. And they have a children and then they are feeling it's a very much culture that the women don't work. And this is why this person that coming to the health center have a Long high pressure, and everyone was all day in the sun, and he eating only junk food with a lot of salt. We are people living with trauma. And we come in here, our society that is very against us. They criminalize us when we are not criminal. These are people that you're giving a chance, they will be the future, and they are giving the opportunity to be educated. They will benefit not only to them, but all the community. That's good. Thank you. So I think the construction workers, similar. Anything else to add for that? With the construction worker, this is like all the Latinx. We facing the same barrier. English, lack of knowing the system. There are a lot of resources in the community. I have 51 family, uh, migrant and refugee, that has been experienced or living with perinatal depression from the time that you get pregnant and two, ye two years after the pregnancy. And they don't know all the resources because it's true, they have depression, but not all depression are going to be medication. Some of the depression can be temporary, but what we need is a support group. Many mothers here are single mothers or are alone or stay alone and they don't do nothing. And it's no good if you don't treat that because it's going to put in danger of the children. For the construction men, it's the same thing. They are from Latinx family. They may be living in a house with five people, cinco. The only good thing in the construction is that they have a better salary. A construction person's salary per hour can be 40 hours. But it's very heavy. And they end up like mine with broken back. Okay? But they face the same issues by the one that built them the building. He has exploded them because he didn't tell the Washington employment that they haven't those employees because the system allowed that. The system is created to keep him whatever is in the power in the power. Thank you, Dr. Ponce. I have a few more questions if you still have time. Yes. Okay. The community health workers, I want to dig deeper into what your model is and how you find the right people, what does it mean to provide them education, and how that helps connect with the community. We've talked about so many things of relevance to community health workers in ways healthcare systems and clinicians fall short. So I want people to be really paying attention and paint this picture of what community health workers look like and make that vivid for them. Yes. The community health worker, they say we pay a teacher public health. Okay? Yeah. You are not implementing that. You are losing money. This is why you are losing money. Because community health work, and there are many models that you can use. I wanted to start with my model of depression. 
I investigate all USA and I investigate the state about what resources I for depression because I have a severe depression for women in this state that are migrant and refugee and undocumented. I love it to work with this population. There were many models, all of them in English, running for white people. This is the problem. But I tried to make connection with some of them. And funny, they had them the power, they had all the money and the media. And they asked me about my project. And they said they wanted to work with me. And I explained my model. They took my model. It's okay, but they don't want it to pay. Because I'm volunteer. Because I don't believe in volunteer. Because if you can do a job, you need to get money. Okay? If you are rich, you can volunteer. You and me, we can volunteer. But don't ask if I'm working that has one fifty dollar for week volunteer because this is inhumanity. Okay. But in my model, caminando juntos or working together, I use a different model of the community health worker. There are like seven models of community health. My approach is three to educate the population. The other is support group. This is the model and this can be a bridge between you, the health services, and the community. And the last model, in clinic, they say care coordinator. I say community coordinator. Because the community coordinator is a person dedicated to find at local level all the resources that the community have. But the people that say, no, the system is used for the document, no, and document. And then this is the person that is going to call these people that is depressed. When you are depressed, you don't want to either to take the shower. Do you believe you are going to make a phone call and somebody will answer in anger? I don't understand. I don't understand. Yo, no, you don't know why. I want to say one thing. The perfect community health worker is not a U.S. citizen. <laughs> then, if you work with the population that is undocumented, the perfect community health worker must be undocumented. Because a person that was born here, either from a Latina, that speak the second generation, they don't know nothing about the first generation. To say in another word, you wanted to work with diabetes patient, need to be one that have a diabetes because he understands the struggle to living with diabetes. Then all the community health workers, for example, in Caminando Juntos, they living with peer depression. And all of them coming from the community high target. The perfect community and education is not to say, this is a training, Given the training, and that is, no, you have to educate them. But you have to educate them in the language that they need. I developed this for the Caminando Juntos. I consulted with physician, gynecology, uh, pediatra, psychology, mm -hmm. clinician, healthcare, community health worker. And giving all the education. When I put this, my founder said, oh, this is too much for them. They are not going to it, okay? No, they are not stupid, I say. <laughs> then, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I said, how the brain work? Yeah. Because they need to know what's wrong with me. When we do, did this workshop, the mother said, oh, now I understand why I hate my child. I always get very sad because I believe I was a bad mama. No, you was not. This is the feeling you have eh, because you was with depression. Oh. You don't hate your child. You love your child. After the workshop, 
my community health worker in this project, they have been taking many courses for peer counselor, uh, how to manage a group, how to have a conversation, how to do a dealing with people that are living with trauma in four council, about confidentiality, about uh, meaningful mind and all of that. And then they meet together and they speak together. And then they start looking for resources. And we have this and a beautiful leader, community coordinator. For example, yeah? sometimes they are depressed because the mama is alone. The father is not working. She's not working. She's not working because she's pregnant and they don't have food. And they're feeling humiliated to go to the food pantry. Then we will go with them. Or we made the appointment and be sure that nothing happened. And they don't want to go to the federal qualified center because they don't have, have to pay, but they are programs that can give them. Then we made them to make the appointment and we called, did you call? No, did you? Why? What is, why you don't call? Oh, I call, but they don't understand my English. Okay. I will help in you. So many things I heard from you. One is the education, making sure that is appropriate and not diminishing people's intelligence, being thorough in that. Second is identity. Identity, not just, oh, they're Latino, so they can treat their community, right? <laughs> Meaning they have similar experiences, they have similar cultural backgrounds, and sometimes they even have had depression to that level. So there's peer support and understanding with somebody going through there. And third is the community coordination to help yes. people understand the resources that are available to them. Honestly, it's like intensive case management done by community health workers. Yes. So they care when I think we don't prioritize that enough. I think when healthcare does, quote unquote, support, we just give them a list of places to call. Exactly. Oh, you have depression. Here's a list of 10 places that you can go to. Go ahead. <laughs> Good luck. And we don't make that call. We don't try to troubleshoot. And that's hard when something, especially like depression, when your motivation level is already low and you're suffering in so many ways. Oh, it's the same thing you have a PTS. And it's the same thing you have a abuse drug system. You have a hypertension. I'm telling you, the future of the health is community health worker. And it's demonstrating with the COVID-19. When the government and all the institutions work with the community, we couldn't uh, control the spray. Uh, all the Latinos were dying. Yeah, exactly. And those that opposing to them to get documentation and criminalize us because they are the ones that are making money. We don't want anything free. And I will tell you, a lot of people will pay because hell is the most important thing that a human has to be. But I want to tell you, keeping a population marginal and uneducated is going to affect you and your children. Yeah. I think our humanity, we're all interconnected and our future is yes. bound together. We separate each other and don't give resources or education, as you know, to a certain group of people. And that affects all of us. I end the podcast with the same question for everybody is, tell me about an experience when you got care, where it went really well, somebody treated you exactly how you wanted to be treated, acknowledge your identity, or tell me about a time it went really badly and you want to say, don't do this to the people listening. What's what happened to me? And uh, my depression that I have there became chronic depression. 
and becoming the skeleton of my closet. But most of the time, I could not sleep. Most of the time, I cried for everything. I came into uh, Dr. Jacobson, who is my primary physician. And she's spending two hours with me when she do the pH night. Because I physician, most of the time, I fake those response. Because I don't want it to annoy that I had depression. Yeah. This is the problem. When I take the tablets, I say, I get a nice zombie. And she's spending with me two hours that day. And my husband only one is another physician. He wants me to be treated because he knows I need that. And I said, I want to do it for you because she's spending two hours with me. And she gave me the combination of two tablets, one for depression and one for sleep. And since then, I manage my depression very well. I have it from all my age. Then I am a mommy. And this mommy started getting treated when a doctor spent two hours with her. She made me feel important. She listened to me. She was trying to convince me. And I had 11 years living with her depression because of this person. And thank you, Dr. Jacobson. The other person that picked me back was when I came into America. I went to a doctor. That was for a, a gynecology. They put me in the gynecology and I was there, I believe, two hours. And then he coming, he was very big. And then put he bit my hand in my stomach like that. I almost died. And he never answered to me. I never come in back. I feel humiliated, I'm mistreating, and I don't know what to do. Who wouldn't? And there were many women in that position for two hours because he was overwhelmed with all the passion. And uh, one of my worst experience to be with my neck open in venture of gynecology almost for two hours. Yeah, I want to call attention to the importance of that one person who took time to care enough for you, suffering with lifetime depression, and that has given you the stability that you needed. And that person tearing yes. enough. And the second, I hope nobody ever does that, but he did that to so many patients probably, right? This person. Yes. And it yes. stuck with you. How many years later? He said, when you came to America and it's within you and it's a form of trauma of yes. being violated, of having this experience with healthcare. And we always ask, why don't people trust us? Why don't people trust healthcare systems? You're like, well, there's so, so many reasons, including moments like this, that maybe wasn't a big deal to that person who did it. Thank you so much, Dr. Ponce. It's I been said, a delight. My pleasure, and I hope my history can help many people. And yeah. I offend you as your problem. <laughs> <laughs> that offends for the truth as your problem, okay? Yeah, but, we need to hear the truth. Sadly, only can I lie what I say yeah. and taking in the learning positive way. Thanks again, everyone, for joining me on another episode of Healthcare for Humans. If you like this episode, as always, my ask to you is please share it with one other person so they can also hear it. I'll see you next time. This podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not represent any of the participants past, current, or future employers unless explicitly expressed as so. Always seek advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with regards to your own personal questions about what medical conditions you may be experiencing. This Healthcare for Humans project is based on Duemish land and makes a regular commitment to real rent Duemish.